0: You've been around for the last month or so. We've had a, a couple of really exciting Sundays. As um, if you go back two weeks ago, four weeks ago, we had multiple families stand up in front of the congregation on a Sunday morning um, and make a public commitment, a, co- uh, a public vow before the church and the Lord to raise their children up in the way of the Lord. Um, and what I'm talking about specifically is our parent child dedication and our. Baptism Sunday. And um, in both of those liturgies and in both of those uh, little ceremonies, what we're doing uh, is acknowledging the God-given responsibility for parents to raise their children in the way of the Lord. And, um, and and this is something that we rejoice in doing. We love the fact that parents are not only taking their own discipleship with the Lord seriously, but but also to see how that permeates into the household. Um, and so we love to have those opportunities um, and to see parents uh, step up and say that they're uh, in in the uh, vein of Christian commitment um, following through on their own discipleship they are uh, prepared to follow through on creating an environment at the in the home that is uh, geared towards discipleship and spiritual flourishing uh, for well I married couples and also for their, children, and um, as I've been thinking about that and celebrating that and just reflecting on those evidences of grace, um, I've I've been sort of struck by the parallel here, at least the connection, between um, this idea of, of making a commitment to create a godly home, to raise our kids in the way of the Lord, um, and how that ties into our sermon series through the book of Ezra. Um, about how that story is about, a, it's a building project, it's about building the temple or rebuilding the city as it moves into Nehemiah. And I think that this idea, um, the idea of building the metaphor or illustration, whatever you want to call it, or just the phenomenon of that, um, is a it's, a, it's a thread that runs throughout all scripture. Um, you can see it going back into uh, Exodus, uh, well, I mean, you even go back further than that the the uh, cultural mandate to to fill the earth and subdue it um, invokes some of this building um, uh, imagery um, good into the temple or the tabernacle into the temple, um, the development of the cities in uh, in Judea and the in the kingdom of Israel um, and then how that even expands into uh, the New Testament that being something that, that uh, Jesus refers to, this idea, you go to the Sermon on the Mount, when he's talking about um, the wise man who built his house upon the rock and the fool who built his house on the sand. What he's talking about there is this idea of building a life for yourself, right? considering the foundation in which you're going to build your life on. um, You see that imagery roll through there. You see Paul talking about the church being a, a building, the temple, the living temple for God. Um, uh, and the church being built up in love, you 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 hear Jesus talking to Peter when he says, "Upon Peter the rock, he's going to build this church," um, and and how that trickles out into uh, the implications that trickles out into building um, a society. And and inside of all of this is a concern with with building a godly home. And really, the family unit, the household, is is the um, the foundation for all of society. And so if we're going to build uh, godly churches, if we're going to build a godly society, if we're going to build these godly places where um, we interact with uh, people who are outside of our nuclear family, um, it really hinges on the godly marriages that we've built, the godly households that we've built. And uh, I've made reference of this at various points throughout the sermon series about this calling that God has placed upon us as His people, um, and church, and and the church in general, and Sacred City uniquely how we are um, a a church plant where we're literally building a church from the ground up, and um, how this sort of this this illustration, this story, ties in. To what we're doing um, as a church, but one of the things that I don't think I've really been able to unpack, or I just haven't been gotten to it, um, is how to how to view this this um, the task of building a godly home. Um, and I think there's a lot of different components um, that go into this. A lot of things to think through, going to the Word of God, and, and asking the question: How does this bear upon the household? How does this shape us? How does this form us? Um, what kind of culture does this create? And so, what I want to do is basically I am going to launch this mini series. I am going to try to keep these podcasts relatively short. Um, and my my main goal is ask like, what? How do you build a godly home? That's that's the main question of all of these things. And I think that when we talk about building a godly home, if you are to ask your average Christian, and just anybody shows up on Sunday and say, "Hey, um, do you think you've built a, a godly home?" I think that a couple things are going to happen. One, um, I think that there is a lack of understanding on what the criteria of a godly home actually is. Like, what are the standards? When we say, what sets apart a godly home from a an ungodly home or a godly home from a pagan home or whatever that might be, um, whatever the two you want to contrast there, um, we, we don't have all the pieces in place. Um, that's one part is we just don't, there's, uh, some gaps in our understanding of, of what that all entails. And the other part that that I guess ties into this is, or maybe is a product of that is that our default, um, mindset is that we have a relatively low bar on what that means. Like our, uh, what the Bible would, uh, what the Bible would describe as godly home is contrasted to the way that we would say, yeah, well, we have a godly home. And, and I think that if you'd ask that person, um, who's a Christian? You know, they they was just sure. Of course, I've, we we have a godly home. We've got Bibles in our homes. We we pray before meals. Um, we show up on Sunday mornings as long as there's you know maybe as long as it doesn't compete with our kids, you know extracurricular schedules or we're not fe- feeling too bogged down from the rest of the week. Yeah, we're we're uh, you know by by those standards, sure we're a a godly home. And I. I I think that when we we compare that mentality and and what is very much a 21st century um, evangelical um, definition of what a godly home is, I I think that it leaves us wanting when we see uh, how the Bible gives a far more robust vision of of what a godly home looks like. And so what I want to do is work to build that out so that that at sacred city we can we can say, um, yeah, we are building a godly home. and this is these are the pieces. these are the components uh, of what makes our home uh, a godly home. And of course, yes, prayer, um, family devotions, going to church on Sundays, having Bible uh, around that, that's all part of that. Um, but I think there's more to it. And so I want to I'm, I'm gonna dig into that question what what does a godly home look like and how do we, build a godly home um, for ourselves. And um, before I dig into that, what I want to do is sort of um, swat down a, a misconception. Now, when you talk about... And if you talk about like holiness or godliness or you, you talk about piety um, these things that are virtuous and beautiful and good um, things that the scriptures speak to and says th- th- this is what um, a Christian home ought to look like um, I think the tendency is to to at least in some way think to, to make to make holiness synonymous with boring right to be, to create a godly home means that we're a stuffy family. We we're sort of snooty. We we kind of keep our no, nose in the Bible. Um, we we you know we just always find something to critique, and so we really don't really do anything. Um, we don't find ourselves participating in, in stuff that might be enjoyable or fun uh, with our family, and 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 so there is this this common idea. That uh, to build a godly home would would equate building a boring home, um, and I think that's a ter- a disservice, a terrible disservice. I think that's actually that's one of Satan's best lies about holiness is, is to think that to be holy is to be boring. And and I think the other piece of this is um, another misconception about this is it's just too hard. It's it takes too much work and in, too much intentionality, and there's too many places. Um, to fail or be inadequate in this kind of endeavor, and so we kind of write it off and say, you know, it's it's just too hard. There's there's too much to keep up with with what the scriptures tell us, you know, how we ought to organize our our households, and then you can see because of these misconceptions um, why the standard seems to slip. Why why we have a very low bar. Um, culturally, as far as like evangelical culture, about what it means to to build a godly home, and I think to get going on this topic, we really have to sort of uh, uproot some of those misconceptions about to, to build a godly home is a boring home. To build a, a godly home meant that's too hard. That's too much work, and um, and instead, I think I think we need to be captivated. By the vision that God gives us in the Scriptures for what a godly home feels like, with like what goes on in a godly home, and let me just so what what I want to do here um, is just kind of help build that out. What are what are some markers of a godly home? What are the characteristics and traits of a godly home that that sort of put these misconceptions, uh, well, embarrass them a little bit. And and I want to start out with that first one is is uh, the boring home. I think, I think to kind of stay put to do the status quo to follow the stream of the culture, um, that sounds boring to me. To to God built us for adventure. Like we, there's a reason why we like novels and why we like. Um, great movies. There's something captivating about adventure. That's kind of like even you think about the uh the premise of America was built upon adventure. Hey, there's something out there. We want to go out there. We're going to try it. And, and you look at this and um uh the the first settlers in the United States were driven here because they had a desire uh to build a godly life, a Christian life, to not be sort of ruled um by um by the church that's been hijacked by the government or, or not to have everything sort of legislated in a way that that restricted them in the expression of of living a godly life. And so I think the first part about about a godly home is adventure. um uh, Building a godly home means that we set out to do hard things for Jesus. We set out to—we're going to we're gonna live a little bit of a countercultural life, and, and not just a little bit, but a, a countercultural life, um, that that sets us up for a little bit of adventure. Um, doing things that aren't the norm, doing things that are a little bit outside of the box, at least according to what the culture and the stream um, of the world says is what's normal and what's inside the box. And so there is a bit of adventure of— uh, of, in defiance of building a godly home it's it's not stuck in the status quo. it's not stuck in this sort of cookie cutter life it's it's very much um well, it, it pushes outside of the box um, and I think that if you read the Bible and if you live by the Bible, God's going to put you on a, on a trajectory of living this kind of adventurous countercultural life and and when you, there, there is a bit of, bit of a rub with that. So, um, if you're going to try to live a, uh, distinctively Christian lifestyle, there are going to be places where you are at odds with your unbelieving friends, or you're not doing the same things that you see your neighbors doing, um, because you're, you're not following. The current of the culture. And so I, there, there's that adventure there. I think that that's a huge part that right away, boring, I don't think so. I, the, to me, when I read about the apostles and the early church and, and what kind of a life uh, following Jesus sort of brought about, there's nothing but adventure there. And so I think that that to, to recapture our imaginations for this um, vision this uh, of building a godly home starts with adventure, um, doing big, hard things, breaking out of the status quo. And the second thing, a second characteristic of a godly home that defies some of these misconceptions um, is that it's a joyful home. Um, there is a way to go about building a, a godly home that is very legalistic, that is stuffy, um, that you... You, um, in trying to keep the letter of the law, you lose the spirit of the law, and and it's for freedom's sake that we've been set free. We've we've been liberated uh, in Christ, so that we would get to enjoy our freedoms, and the freedoms are joyful. Um, we we get to experience the joy of our salvation, not just as an individual, but in the midst of our family. Um, celebrating the evidences of grace celebrating um the things that God has done and the ways that he's intervened within our family and our church family um that we have a lot of fun. I think I think one of the biggest indicators of if if you have a godly home is uh is laughter. Um can you have a good time? Can you enjoy these these um the common grace, can you enjoy the graces that God has just poured out upon you and your family and enjoy them and really get get the most out of life? Um, and I think that when you're living in in a steeped in a secular ideology, pagan ideology, you want to turn pleasure, you want to turn joy, you want to turn happiness into an idol and chase it. And what happens is it puts you on this treadmill where you're always going, you're always obligated um, and, and just driven by the idea of obtaining something, um, whether that's sort of comfort or wealth or vacations or w- whatever that thing might be. Um, It just puts you on this never-ending journey and conquest of trying to achieve. And one of the great privileges that we have as Christians is to to rest, to receive the good gifts, whether those are are specifically spiritual gifts, the joy of our salvation. Um, Or if those are are common means of grace, like a good good food, good conversation, good coffee, um, enjoying the weather, enjoying being outside and playing, enjoying game night, enjoying missional community family. I think a marker of a godly family is a joyful family. And and even when there's tough times, even when hardship sets in, and and you're going through a rough season of life, maybe you got some health issues, or you're going through a season with your kids where you know they just always seem defiant, and um, it's just it's driving you crazy. There's still a level of joy that gets tapped into in the midst of it. Sorrowful um, yet always rejoicing is a Christian cadence, um, and I think the other uh, another marker of of as like when i'm talking about markers i'm talking about like of the culture of a godly home is a a loving home um a home that's not just about rules and and um you know keeping the kids in check and and always you know that sort of mentality where it becomes very legalistic and very works based um where your kids you know if if they've been they think that if if I'm super obedient, mom and dad will love me more, or, or whatever that looks like. Um, they have that performance driven mentality, but but the love that we receive from God is an unconditional love that we were loved when we were at our worst. Well, it's Ephesians two says that while we were dead in our sins, uh, with the love that God had for us. That he, he generates in himself, not because we're so lovely that we've been lavished in this love. And so I think that our households need to be marked by this unconditional love, um, that there's just a constant flow of love and charity, of, of, um, enjoyment of, of one another and, uh, where the love of Christ comes into our own hearts and starts seeping its way out into our horizontal relationships, whether that be with your spouse or with your kids and st- extend, it beyond that to your church family. And so I think a loving family, um, and, and what I mean, uh, when we talk about love, it's also important, very, very, very important. It's becoming even more important to define what you mean. When I say love, um, I'm not saying a family that never uh, that never disappoints or never um, frustrates the the plans of somebody else, or that never never steps on anybody else's toes. Because t- to love someone means that there's gonna be times where you have to have a hard word for them, um, because that hard word is the most loving thing to say them to them, rather than just sort of you know patting them on the back and making them feel that um they're there everything's all right you're fine just as you are well yeah god loves you just as you are but he he his love is so strong for you that he wants to bring you um to a better spot he wants to he wants to grow you and expand you and and deepen your faith in ways and so there there is a sense of um uh, to be loving doesn't mean just just allowing anything to go it means no we we love one another through thick and thin and it, it's, we, we love each other with truth. We love each other um, in, in even the hard word. And so I think it's really important for godly families to be marked by uh, being a, a loving family. Um, and you can only love like this, in, in this sort of profound sense of love, if you've experienced the love of the Father. You've experienced your own adoption, that you've been brought in to the family of God, not by anything that you've done, um, but solely based upon the work of Christ. And now you get called Jesus Big Brother. And and I think the other one, um, at least the last one I want to talk about today, um, in efforts to keep this short here, is um, is a a resilient family or a a buoyant family, and what I mean by that is. Um, as you, I, I hinted at this earlier, even within the joyful section here, where I'm talking about the that even in the midst of, of trials, even in the midst of hard seasons, even in the midst of heartache and health issues and financial struggles and um, relational uh, drama, and all of all of that stuff that can easily sort of um, crush a family, whether that's that's felt by you know the father or the mother, the the, the leaders of the household, um, and and that just sort of that that gets brought into the family life, the household gets affected by that. It seems like there's this, um, this oppression that happens, right. Or a depression that happens on the family in the midst of those. I think a Christian family is marked by buoyancy that when life pulls you down under, um, the gospel gives us this, this springiness where we pop back up over the water. Um, and so, it, yeah, we're going to do hard things. We're going to live adventurously for Jesus. We're going to be joyful in, in all of life and, and even uh, and loving and, and even all of that stuff through the midst of adversities and trials and tribulations. And and I think that when you think of a godly home being marked by some of those um, characteristics, that's really appealing. That I mean, what kid wouldn't, wouldn't want to grow up in a home that— every every rock you turn over you find something to rejoice in right that that at every turn whether they're whether they're going through a defiance stage or whether they're maybe maybe the lord has worked in them and and they are producing the fruit of obedience to mom and dad and where they just get the sense of uh, when i'm in this household i feel loved i feel i feel like i belong i feel like this is the spot for me this is this is where god intended for me to be and to be buoyant, to to go through uh, all of life's challenges with this resiliency that that the God that God instills in us. And what I want to get through here, um, and I think this next next episode, really the key to all of this is being people who are saturated in the Word of God, um, not just having a Bible laying around, not just doing um, you know family devotionals once every you know once every week or however it easily you know, pans out with the schedules and the busyness or, or even families that do, you know, one night in you know, a prayer time at, at, bedtime or Bible study, like having the scriptures permeate every aspect um, of our lives in the household. And so next time I'm going to jump on here, I'm going to, I'm going to talk through some of that. What, what does it look like for our homes to be saturated um, by the word of God but I hope in the, in the meantime, as, as before we move into that, um, may, maybe it blows up, it, it sort of quickens your Christian imagination to envision um, the kind of household that embodies all of these things of, of an adventurous and joyful and loving and buoyant family um, that, that really provides a place for all of its members to flourish from the top to the bottom, from, from dad to mom to the kids and anybody else who steps in, they just get a taste of that. And and the hope is that for our kids, for you know, for our for spouses, um, and for anybody who steps in, whether it's church family or, or unbelieving neighbors or family or friends, whoever that might be, they get a sense of man, something is different about this place. Something there's something very appealing, something very attractive. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but there are these characteristics in this household that I want to be part of. That that I just I, I desire to experience some of this. And I really think that's the vision of a godly home, um, a godly household that compels us to give ourselves. Yes, it's, it's tough. Yes, it requires intentionality and effort. But man, it is so much better than any other alternative. And so I pray this week as you go about your way um, to be asking the question, what does it look like to build a godly home? Um to get excited by that vision, to let that be something that really stirs your hearts and your longing um, to to build something like that. and not just for this this moment in time or not just for this season of life or the next season or even this 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 generation, but um, set set the tone, set uh, give a an example for your kids to follow in so one that they can teach their grandkids and and your great grandkids later on. Um, and, and see a, a generational um, domino effect of of building godly homes and households. I really hope that. I hope that for my family a whole lot. I pray a lot for that, um, that our household would be a godly family, that, um, that all those things would be present. Um, and I especially hope that my kids know that following Jesus is a lot of things, but it certainly isn't boring. It is hard. It is, it is hard because it requires us to die to self, but it's totally worth it. And, um, and so I, I'm getting caught up in that, and I hope you get caught up in that with me, and I look forward to unpacking uh, some of these next episodes and talking about building a godly home. I love you guys. I'll see you on Sunday. Have a great week.